Welcome to the Awakening Church, one of the great churches Maui has to offer. And now, Pastor Stephen Pusle with this week's message. Aloha, good morning. Uh, so great to have you here at the Awakening Church. My name is Pastor Stephen, and man, I am really excited that you're here as school is getting back up and running and started again. This is a great time to get reconnected again. And so if you're here for the first time or you're just beginning to come, I just want to, or you're just visiting uh, from mainland or wherever you're from, um, we just want to say this is a perfect time to get connected in. We're starting a brand new series called Alter Ego. And yes, as you can see, it's misspelled for a reason. Alter is misspelled because really an altar is somewhere where we go to lay down something at the foot of God and sacrifice it at an altar. And we want to lay down some of the ways we think about ourselves or some of the ways that we see ourselves or some of the things that we believe about ourselves down at the, at the feet of Jesus. And so that's what this series is really all about. And throughout the entire month, there'll be different aspects. And I believe that there's something for each and every one of us that God has to, uh, has to help bring out of us um, and help us to lay down. For example, one of the things uh, that a lot of us feel is feelings of inadequacy. Everywhere I go, I meet people who are feeling inadequate at their workplace or as a parent uh, or in their, um, in their context of, of uh, the community. They feel inadequate in a lot of different ways. Also, we're going to talk about this month, our need to lay down control. How many of you guys know a control freak? All right, anybody in here? No one control freak. Maybe you're the. Maybe you're that control freak. I'll raise my hand. I got like a little bit of control freak in me. Got to lay that down at the feet of Jesus, right? Um, and then we're gonna talk about that. How we need to to take that out and lay it down at His feet. We're also gonna talk about the the right to be offended. In this season, we're going to be taking some big steps of faith as a church, and I really believe that. Uh, God is going to grow our church, and as that happens with growth comes growing pains. And so when that happens, usually when God is moving and the Spirit of God is building and growing something, usually the enemy likes to come in typically, and I've seen this before, come in through people taking offense. Offense. And we're going to talk about that. It's super huge how we're going to lay down the right to be offended. And then finally, we're going to talk about, we're going to lay down our longing for approval. And, you know, so many of what, what things we do, we're, we're seeking the approval of others. We want to be accepted. We want to be seen as successful. And that is what we're going to talk about. How many of you ever felt inadequate in some kind of way? I have. Multiple ways I've felt in my life I've felt inadequate. Maybe you've drove into a neighborhood once before where there was some really nice houses and some nicer cars, and it's not the kind of house or the cars or the resources that you have, and you feel like, man, I, I wanted to provide a little bit more for my family, and I'm feeling a little bit financially inadequate. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Uh, or maybe just being a parent. It's so difficult these days, trying to work, trying to raise kids, and and, and give them a safe place to grow and mature, and uh, it, it's difficult. And a lot of times, it's single parents or even two parents with uh, enough kids, man, you can, get, you can get the feeling of being inadequate as a parent. I, how about this? What if you're at a point in your life now where you felt like you ought to have been further than you are by now? You had some ideas of success that you haven't reached, and you have some ideas maybe of success that you have been put on you by parents or by loved ones, and you're not there yet, and you're feeling inadequate. I don't know if that ever resonates with you, but, uh, 
Or maybe you're, uh, young ladies, I, I know how it is when you go over to another uh, woman's house and everything, all the laundry's done, and there's a, sm a fresh smell of laundry. There's baking, cookies baking in the oven, so, and, and she's got her nails done, her hair is all nice, she got five kids, and you're like, you're just like barely holding on. You got one kid and your house is a wreck. You're feeling inadequate. Uh, maybe you're a student and you're studying so hard and there's some people that they just get ahead and they succeed and get great grades and it seems effortless. And you're just trying to just make it, trying to hold on, trying not to get below an average grade. And we, we all the time, we feel feelings of inadequacy. But a lot of times we feel that spiritually. We feel, feel spiritually inadequate. How many of you guys have been around like a super Christian before and you've had like some kind of problem in life and all of a sudden they were able to pull like a scripture straight from memory like with the reference and everything, word for word, the verse, and you're just like, jeesh, like super Christian. <laughs> I suck at being a Christian, man. This is bad. <laughs> like this is bad. I, I don't know if you ever felt that way uh, spiritually, uh, but we're gonna talk about that for me, there's a lot of different times in my life where I felt inadequate. One of them was when my wife gave birth to our first daughter, Kayulani, and we went to the hospital, and there was complications. She had to get a C-section, and my daughter, Lela's lungs had collapsed. One of her lungs had collapsed, and she was, like, all purple, and they are like, con connected her to the machine, and I'm, like, holding her. She's, like, tiny, and I just feel so inadequate. Like, there's nothing I can do except for just hold her. And, you know, cry and, and pray and sing to her. And, and you just, it, it's a beautiful thing, but also it's just overwhelming because like, how am I going to do, I'm, how am I going to do this dad thing? How am I going to pull that off? And, you know, if we're getting a little bit more real now, even just if we're talking about feeling inadequate spiritually, uh, a lot of pastors I talk to, me included, just feel tremendously inadequate in multiple areas of ministry where we feel like we're not giving enough to our church or we're not doing the right things to grow it or we're, you know, we, could, we could do more for people and be there for more people and be a super pastor. You know, that's the expectation our, our culture puts on pastors. We gotta be these, we gotta be like super Jesus pastor Christian guy. And it's difficult, it's difficult. Um, but if we're being real this morning, if you're feeling inadequate, I gotta ask you a question. Why? Why do you feel inadequate? Why do you have those feelings? We're gonna take a look at that in just a second. Before you, let's just bow our heads and pray and talk to God and invite him here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for just loving us. And even though we fall short, Lord, and it's sometimes even more faithless, Lord, you're faithful. And you are strong in our weakness. And Lord, we just, we thank you for today's message where we're talking about inadequacy. And I know that you have something to say. Um, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would open up hearts, Lord, and speak through me so that there would be life change, that there would be someone who would hold their head high uh, today and, and see themselves through your eyes and not their own. Um, we, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said... Amen. I mean, all right, so why do we, real quick, just why do we feel inadequate? First of all, is unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. You go around in life and you, you hear people from teachers to parents to 
father figures, mother figures telling you that you'll never amount to anything. Or words like, I wish I never had you. You're a disappointment. You can't do anything right. Things like, wish you were more like your brother or your sister. And we get unfair criticism. So we have this deep feeling of inadequacy because oftentimes in life we're going, maybe we're trying to, to have success to maybe even gain some kind of recognition from a father figure or a mother figure. And all we hear, even when they pass away, are these voices of you're not good enough, of you're not achieving, you're, you're, you're not pulling it off. Also, why do we feel inadequate? Not only do unfair criticism, but we feel uh, unrealistic compliments coming our way. And someone comes up to me and says, Pastor Stefan, you're amazing. Oh, you may, oh, you preached that sermon good, or oh, well, this church is awesome, or you, you're incredible in some way. And I feel like deep down inside, I, I, I feel like I'm not. And I, I feel like this pressure, this pressure to, to be, to live up to some of these expectations, and I fear failing. I don't know if you ever felt that way. So you feel uh, inadequate because of unfair criticism, unrealistic compliments, and then also, thirdly, unwise comparisons. Unwise comparisons. The worst place we see this, unwise comparisons, is social media. We go on Facebook and we see people at their best and their best dressed in their favorite restaurant with the most expensive meal or driving their nice car and the nicest houses, and we're comparing uh, musicians to musicians, parents to parents, uh, colleagues to colleagues, ministry to ministry, we're comparing and we feel inadequate because we're, we're basically comparing someone's highlight reel, like if we're talking sports, someone's highlight reel to our everyday life, behind the scenes, the nitty gritty. And that doesn't work. Now, um, we're going to go to the God's Word to see what he has to say about this, because there's a perfect story that ties into this. Um, but before you do, I just want to draw attention to our uh, Bible app. It's pretty amazing. You can follow along on there with Scripture. You can uh, listen to messages no matter where you are. You can give, do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, but also, we have custom Awakening Bibles. It's our gift to you just to say, hey, you know, we appreciate you. Um, take that, or if you know someone that would like uh, or could need uh, use a Bible, uh, go ahead and take one that as well. Now, we're going to take a look at Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. And here's the thing. This is a story about Gideon. A story about Gideon and a time in the history of Israel when they were overwhelmed and occupied by the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, they were, they were savage. They were brutal. I mean, all they did, they didn't just come and conquer a place and then leave and take the plunder like most people would do. They would just come and take over like a parasite and just bleed every last resource out of your country. They would take and eat and consume crops they did not plant. They would, they would slaughter calves and goats and cattle that they did not rear or raise. They would kill, take, and whatever, consume whatever they wanted. Your, your mother, your sisters, they would take it for themselves, and there was death, and it was a slow death. It wasn't like, ah, I'm taking you out right away. It's like a slow torture. 
that Israel was feeling when these Midianites were occupying their land. And Gideon, he is afraid. He is not by any means adequate whatsoever. He is afraid, and he's literally trying to protect his food and his life, hiding in a wine bit, in a pit, basically, in a wine press, trying to thresh grain. And you know that when you thresh grain, you throw it in the air, and you need wind. You need like a hill somewhere, a visible place where the wind can come and catch the chaff and blow it away, and then the grain falls, and you got your grain. Well, he's in the bottom of a wine pit. He's like doing three times the work because he's so scared, and he's trying to hide. He's afraid for his life, and that's where we pick up the story in Judges chapter 6. Let's take a look here. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. Whoa, she's kind of old here. She's all the way in Judges, the Old Testament. Okay, all right. Longevity. I'll give you props. All right, the oak of Oprah. You guys get that or not? You guys, there's no reaction. Okay, all right. The show, Oprah? Okay. All right, there we go. We got some late reactions on her. All right, just coffee right there. Um, All right, so the Oka Oprah, that belonged to Joash, the Abizurite. Now, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us... Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned out, this is important. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now I'm going to stop here for a second. This is where The enemy of Gideon is starting to speak. The enemy of Gideon is starting to speak in this next verse. And where do you think the enemy comes from? The inner me. The enemy is the inner me. I am my worst enemy. And he starts saying this. He says in verse 15, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, he is feeling not only just the weak, he's not only feeling weak, he's literally from a a family that's a tribe that's considered weak, he's from a family that's considered weak, I mean, from the top down, he's like in the weakest of link. And not only that, he's the least in his family. Gideon's not like the oldest, biggest, strongest brother. He's like the least in his family. So God's going and finding the weakest, least person he could find in Israel, literally. And he's saying, you're going to have victory. Now, when I was growing up, since we're talking about going back to school and everything else like that, when I was growing up, I was around, gosh, it'd be like maybe eight, nine years old, maybe 10. And I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet, and I was, gosh, I had the big glasses. I had the, I had the, um, uh, the braces. And I was taken from a public school where I didn't have, um, where I had a great experience, by the way. I, I, it, didn't, it wasn't a big school or anything. I didn't have much, but I was... Welcome there. I was popular. I even had a girlfriend in the third grade, and everything was going well. But then, but then 
my parents was like, oh, we want what's best for our son. We want to take him and put him into private school, a Christian school where he can learn and grow about and grow closer to God, and they were really excited, so they took me and put me into this Christian school. Now, it had already been going for several years, and these kids had already been together for several years, so the cliques had formed. And so when I went to this school, I wasn't really recepted. I wasn't accepted, and, and they already had their groups of friends, and it was really difficult. In fact, I would come home from school crying some days because I'd been made fun of, and, and, and some of the teachers really didn't have great things to say to me. They would tell me that I wasn't going to make it, in sports, or they really had nothing really encouraging to say because I was struggling with my grades because I'd been homeschooled before and got really behind. And so I was really struggling, man. And I come home crying to my mom and I say, Mom, please let me go to public school. Please let me go to public school. And, you know, and my mom would try and encourage me. And, and, and it, was really, it was really bad. It was a really bad experience. Um, not all Christian schools are like that. In fact, I'm actually going to. Um, uh, be bringing my girls to a uh, Christian school in a couple weeks, and I'm really excited about it, and I'm just praying that God really moves in a, power, in a different way than what I experienced, but it was difficult. It was hard, and, you know, I, I really have a lot of those feelings of inadequacy really come out and alive in that context, and say, I don't know if you can remember back when you were a kid, and you, you were in a new environment, and, and you weren't really accepted, and that's what, that's what we're talking about here. Um, and today, I want to encourage you that maybe some of those voices that have been placed deep down in your heart may be put down at the altar of God. Um, how do we do that? Well, there's three things you need to know about you, okay? Here's the encouraging part. God's view of us is different than you think. The way he sees you is much different than you think, kind of like with Gideon, right? He's the weakest of weak, and he's the lowly of the low, and he's saying, mighty warrior, He's calling a mighty warrior. Gideon's confused. He's like, no, I'm the least, I'm the weakest. And, and God is saying, no, I have a different view of you than you have of yourself. You have a, a lesser view, a low self-esteem because you don't know who I am and who you are to me. So in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, this is what he says. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How many, how many young men love to have God call you mighty warrior? That's pretty cool, right? Mighty warrior. It's a difference sometimes in what we think of ourselves. Um, again, so a lot of these feelings of um, inadequacy that came out when I was going to that Christian school, I didn't believe in myself. Not only were they saying these terrible things about me, but I really believed them. I started believing them and had this low self-image, this low self-esteem, and it wasn't until this woman came along, and she, her name was Mrs. McGinnis. I remember she was kind of old and smelled funny, but she took me and literally singled me out, asked the school, I, I want to tutor this kid. And so, you know, they relented. And I, she would take me out of the class when everybody else was doing their regular studies. So embarrassing, so humiliating. Took me out of the class. And she was bringing all these first grade, kindergarten, preschool, like reading books. And I had to go through each one. And she brought me from like a first grade reading level to a fourth grade reading level and months. And, and uh, I was getting like C's and, and F's and D's. And man, I was feeling inadequate, like smart wise. And I didn't believe that I was smart. And um, she's like, I'm going to teach you how to study for a test. And we studied together for a test. 
And she showed me the kind of framework. This is how you study for a test. I got my first B. I think it was on a history test. I can't remember. I think it was a history test. I couldn't believe it. I ran over to her, showed her my grade. She was so proud of me. And then from that point on, that point on, something started to change inside of me. Um, and what happened is, is that really God has made a masterpiece in each and every one of us. We're kind of like uh, when a sculptor takes uh, a chisel to marble and carves out the masterpiece that's within. Uh, there's something there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created in us anew in Christ Jesus, so he can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's the truth. You are not who others say you are. You are not who others say you are. I mean, you look at the Bible, there's full of people who, like Rahab, the prostitute, that's how the world saw her, this nothing prostitute woman. And God says, no, through you, because of your, your humility and, and your willingness to be obedient to me, I am going to birth through you, through your line, the Messiah, the Savior of this world, born through the line of a prostitute. And it took a look at other people like David. He's this little wimpy kid, a shepherd boy. But no, he's He's chosen amongst his brothers who are much stronger and bigger, more handsome. You take a look at the amazing, the best, Peter or even, the fisherman, the, the foot-in-mouth syndrome, Peter, right? The guy, shoot first, ask questions later guy with the sword. Peter, uh, he, he, he was used by God in an incredible way, in an amazing way. God's view of you is different than you think. And so guess what? As time went on, I went to um, middle school, and I started getting A's and B's. I went to high school, and I was getting straight A's, like a, top A, like A pluses. And I'm sitting in this class, and I'm like, I'm smarter than this. I need to get into the harder classes. So I went to the counselor and said, hey, I'm smarter than this. And she's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And so throughout high school, I doubled up in my English classes and my math classes and my history classes and went from all lower level, because there's like three levels where I grew up. There's three levels, low, middle, and advanced placement. I worked my way all the way up to advanced placement. By the end of my senior year, I was in all advanced placement classes, still getting A's and B's. Because I started believing who God said I was and not these voices that were telling me who I was, or even myself, that feeling of inadequacy. Um, three things you need to do, uh, you need to know more about, I'm sorry, three things you need to know about you. First is God's view of you is different than you think. Second one is God has given you more than you think. More than you think. You have more ability, more talent, more strength, more to you than you can imagine. Let's check it out. Judges chapter 6, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said to Gideon, right, go in the, what, the, go in the strength what? That you have. Does he say go in the strength that you don't have? No, he says you have it. You have what you need. I've given it to you. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Uh, I love Second Peter, how it says, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power 
has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who are called us who called us by his glory and his goodness. There's a lot of you who, f- who think that maybe that you're, you're, you're no good at, at life. You're, you're just, you're sucking at life. And, and you haven't maybe found that thing that you're good at doing. But m- maybe if you have difficulty speaking, uh, and you never have the right thing to say, maybe that God's wired you up to be a great listener. Someone will hear somebody out and listen to them and be a shoulder to cry on. Maybe you're not a front person, but you're a behind the scenes. You can make even bigger things happen than any upfront person could ha- make happen. You don't have six figures, but you are able to be at home six nights a week for your children and invest in them and pour into them and be a father that you need to be to them. See, it's not always in the world's idea of success that wins the day. Because if you're always fighting after, hey, I want to be successful in the world's eyes or in my own concept of what success is, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be content. God isn't interested in your success. That's not prosperity gospel, is it? God really doesn't care about your success as much as he cares about you being faithful. I remember when we were planting this church and I wasn't going as fast, growing as fast as we would want to have. Um, and I, I remember just struggling with God and like, hey, I thought we'd be a little bit further on by now. And he's like, I don't care about your success. I care about you being obedient. I care about you being faithful. And in that, he's shown himself to be faithful. And um, it, so, again, God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. And finally, it's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. When God calls you to do something that's bigger than you, it's less about your power and more about his presence. It's no fun to God if he can't show his power in your weakness. He wants you to realize that, hey, listen, yeah, I give you the strength to overcome, but watch, I'll even do it better and further and greater than you could ever dream of. I'll take it further than you could ever take it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Oh, sorry, wrong one. Um, wrong verse. Okay, so how do we apply this to your life? And that pain's kind of going away now. What do you do? Like, what do you do when you get like a rusty piece of metal going your foot that far? I don't know. Yeah, getting a tennis shot? I think I had one, I think. I bet. Oh, well. I'll have to get that taken care of. Um, okay, this is where the message where we go to say, so what? Everybody say, so what? Turn to your neighbor, say what? So what? So what, Pastor Stefan? So what? 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 What do we do about it? Okay, here's what. You ready? When you're feeling inadequate, step into it. Step into it. Step into it. Let me give you an example. I mean, I remember some of the first days of, of public speaking. Sometimes I would be in crowds of, of 500 to 1,000 speaking and and I was just scared out of my mind. I wanted to throw up. 
Um, and you know what? Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about that really changed uh, kind of my concept, somebody told me once that, hey, if you're, if you're afraid, then you're making it all about yourself. You're seeing it all through your own perspective. But if you're not afraid, you're making it about God. And you just say, and I literally, once I step up here, I don't know if you realize this, but when I step up here, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of myself. I'm leaving Stefan behind, and I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into this. Even though after all these years of being able to preach and speak in front of people, I still get nervous. I feel still inadequate sometimes when I'm talking. I still sometimes feel like a, a war's going on when I'm up here preaching. Like that like inner me, the enemy inner me, and says like, oh, you're no good. Oh, they're not listening. Nobody's life's changing. You know what I mean? That's a battle. That's a real thing uh, that goes on in my mind, in my heart. And, and I have to like, there's literally a point in the message. I feel like once I step out here, like I'm really stepping out into faith, but even more so, even when I, as I get going preaching, I don't know if this resonates with you. As I'm preaching, there's a, there's a moment where I just say, screw it. I'm, I, why am I making this about me? Sorry, excuse my language, but I, why am I making this about me? Stefan, stand aside. Let God do his thing. Just preach, and he's going to do something. Get, just let it go. And you know what happens when I, like, I feel like I'm doing it now? You know what happens when I do that? Is something starts happening. God starts moving, and I start feeling like letting go of some of that fear and some of the stuff that's holding me back, and I just start caring less about it because now I'm, I'm stepping out in him and not myself. He's carrying me, and he's bringing out the strengths and the, and the, 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 the intricate wiring that he's put in me to, to do well, to exceed, to, to accomplish what he's comp- asked me to accomplish. And so that's what I'm asking you to do, is whatever area you're feeling inadequate in in your life, God wants a piece of that. He wants a, a part of that to where you can say, hey, I, wanna, I want you to take that part of you that just feels lousy, and I want you to lay it at my altar because it's, it's attached to your ego, you're too wrapped up and, and you care too much about this and, and how you see yourself and, and how you're perceived. And, and I just want you to lay it at my feet so that I can be great in you. Does that make sense? This, there's got to be a point where you say just, I'm done with that. I'm going to, I want to see what God has for me. I want to see myself as he sees me. So you step into it. You're not feeling like you're a good enough mom and you can't do it all or you're not successful. You're not what others think about you. You are who God says you are. And you, some of you need to hear this, hear this this morning. And I'm trying not to do it to my other foot as I'm walking past that thing. Um, you need to know that some of you didn't have a father or a mother, but your sons and your daughters of a God, of a Father that loves you and you're his and he'll fight for you and he'll champion you. You are part of a royal priesthood. You have a birthright because you have surrendered to a king who is king of all the universe, everything that ever was and will be. He is king of time. Every little resource, you, you, have, you have an inheritance with him. You have a promise in him. You have eternal life in him. If you would only see what you carry with you, if you only could value yourself the way that God sees the value and worth in you, man, you would be history makers. 
You would be like knights among mere men, world changers, if you knew your identity, if you could just grasp that. You know how you get it? You step in and, and you capture that thought of inadequacy and you throw it down at the altar and you say, no, I'm not receiving it. The Bible says take capture, capture every thought, take captive thoughts, every thought, and put it at the feet of Jesus. Because there's an inner me, there's an enemy inside of us that wants to sabotage and hold us back and prevent us from doing the big things that we're called to do. And you may not feel like it's big, what God's calling you to do, but it's huge. It's huge, right? Donald Trump, no. Huge. I like saying that, huge. Anyway, I'm going to stay out of the way from politics. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, now, here is my prayer for you, and, and it's uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. As we close here, this is what it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You can do everything. Do you think you can do everything? Do, but do you really think that you could do something that was probably outside of the realm of possibility that maybe God asked you to do? Do you think that you can do everything? I think through God that's possible. I think there's just so much un, untapped talent and treasure inside each and every one of you that you could do big things, big things, if you only believed it and pursued it or were obedient to God. We're gonna close in prayer here. Um, we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes and do business with God. Some of us need to lay down some feelings of inadequacy. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for um, this day. We thank you so much for um, just being here, Father, and uh, um, just helping us deal through these feelings of inadequacy. Lord, we just, we pray that you would do um, work right now on our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would just, Lord, help us to bring to surface right now whatever feeling, whatever area in our life that we feel inadequate, Lord, bring it, put a light on that right now. Jesus, we pray put a light on that so we know that it's there. God bless you guys. Go give somebody a hug. Say hi to somebody before you leave. God bless you. Aloha. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week. Aloha.